Today's episode of Clip City is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, 10, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by Mike Vorkanov, our Knicks beat writer, to talk about Marcus Morris, the Clippers' newest addition at the trade deadline. Uh, he just played his first game against the Cleveland Cavaliers in a 133-92 route. Mike, how you doing? Do the Cavs count as a game? Is that just like a scrimmage you get before the season starts? <laughs> Well, see, the thing is, the Clippers have not played well without Kawhi Leonard. So they thought they were going to win the game, most likely, but they, they've lost some stinkers without Kawhi. So I I wasn't sure, uh, but it was nice for them to come out and, and beat that. It was the actually the largest uh, home loss in Cavs history. Um, so nice. that's... It's the Marcus Morris effect, uh, as, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, but where I want to start with with you is as someone who has covered Marcus this season, uh, what's probably been his best overall season. What can Clipper fans expect with the Marcus Morris experience, and how do you see him fitting in with the Clippers? What they can expect is kind of a guy who um, is a pretty good defender. Sure, uh, I mean he's having the best offensive season of his career. He's, you know, I think he was shooting like forty four percent from three when he got traded, which is atypical of what he's done previously. But he was, he was like really shooting it well. He wasn't hitting open shots. He had to create for himself a lot. He was hitting a lot of tough shots, um, which is probably a symptom of the Knicks offense at large. So they're getting a guy who can create for himself a little bit, uh, not really do anything off the dribble, but just kind of create hard shots that he somehow ends up hitting and he'll defend well. And he's kind of a big wing who can slide between that three and four position. I think between him and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and um, that's a pretty good defensive front four. So uh, offensively, I think I'm fascinated by his fit in the sense that I think there's a clear need for a spot-up shooter around Kawhi Leonard, around Paul George, around the Lutrez pick and roll. You know, he's obviously going to be the starting four. I think he's going to close a lot of games at the four. Doc has even talked about him potentially playing some five. Uh, And then yesterday against Cleveland, they actually slid him down to the three and went super big with Evita Zubats, Jermichael Green, uh, Marcus Morris at the three, PG, and Landry Shamit. So that's basically, you know, a lineup of six, five and above, um, including you know three guys in that kind of six eight six nine range so i think they're definitely going to use him in in several spots but you know from watching some film on him he obviously is someone who is a bit iso heavy you know likes to post up we even saw it a little bit in the cleveland game where you know he went five for 12 i didn't think he forced too many shots but there definitely were a couple where you probably would have wanted him to to swing the ball or, or kick it out and he, he got into his kind of like mid-range post-ups and, and isolations. So for, from that perspective, how do you kind of see him transitioning from being the first or second option, you know, between him and Julius uh, on the Knicks to being 
probably the fourth or fifth option on the Clippers. You know, there, there will be nights like last night where Kawhi's out and, and maybe he's the second or third guy. But most nights when the Clippers are healthy, he's probably going to be that fourth or fifth option. Um, so how, how do you see him kind of handling that transition? And, and how is he kind of off the ball? And as a spot-up shooter, as a guy who maybe isn't as involved in the offense, uh, the, the way he probably won't be with, with the Clippers? I think that's going to be the hardest part for him. You know, he's got more unassisted field goal attempts this year than he does uh, assisted field goal attempts. I think because the way that Nick's offense worked, where he was you know, essentially 1A or 1B in terms of offensive options, the ball was in his hands a lot. Um, you know, Between him and Julius Randle, they were creating a lot for themselves. It wasn't really running pick and rolls. It was a lot of isos, post-ups. He kind of floated to the perimeter more as the season went on and started creating from there. And he, what, he had 12 shots in his debut with the Clippers, and that probably would have been one of his lower totals for the Knicks all year. I, I'm curious to see if he's willing to, I, I don't want to say be more deferential, to Kawhi and Paul George and Lou Williams and all those. But it really is what they're going to ask of him, I assume. You know, in Boston, he used to say, um, you know, he never had the opportunity to play the role that he has now. It, it was more of a thing, I, I think he felt, of an opportunity issue rather than a talent issue. So when you bring him into a team like the Clippers, who already have really good players, all NBA-level players, um, Marcus is not short on confidence. So I'm curious to see what the, the mix is. He's a team guy, but... Uh, you know, he's also going to be a free agent this year, and he was averaging 19 points per game with the Knicks. And um, in the middle of the season, that's a that's a big transition to make. And I, I know the Clippers have plans on re-signing him. They now have his non-bird rights, so I think they could offer him a contract starting about $18 million uh, next season, which I think is probably the most you'd want to pay for him. I'd be surprised if someone goes above that. Uh, maybe they do next summer. It is kind of a weird summer with cap space and it's not really a great free agent class. Uh, but I think he's someone that they view as a long-term piece. And I, I don't think they, they view this as necessarily a three month rental unless, or, you know, four month rental unless things, you know, unless it's a disaster, which I, I don't really see. And, and the, the funny thing you said, 12 shots, well, it was 12 shots in 22 minutes. So <laughs> I think he, he's probably going to be playing in that like 27 to 30 minute range. You know, I'm sure he would have gotten like 16, 17 up. Um, but I, I think one of the things that we, you know, we, we've seen for, from the Clipper side all season, those games where Kawhi rests, you know, Montrez Harrell steps up or, or Lou Williams steps up or, or Paul George gets more shots. And I think that's maybe where Marcus can kind of find that happy medium of, you know, Kawhi is going to continue his injury management program. Um, you know, he is going to continue to sit out back to backs, you know, maybe later in the season, you know, there's a game here or there, he, he sits out randomly. And I, I think for those, whatever, five, six, seven games, the rest of, you know, the, the, their final 29 games, those could also be nights where Marcus maybe plays more, has a bigger role in the offense. Maybe Doc, you know, feeds him a bunch of ISOs or post-ups and just says, hey, like, go do your thing. Uh, but but that's where I also think this is a nice insurance because for as as good as Mo Harkless is, especially defensively, he just is, isn't much of an offensive, you know, threat and, and really was at, at best, a guy who finishes in transition, a guy who gets offensive rebounds, a guy who cuts and sometimes makes some spot up threes. But Marcus just brings so much more to the table offensively that I think the you know the Clippers just could get kind of more juice out of that situation where you know it's almost like insurance for Kawhi or PG missing time. Now you have this guy who can really step up. You know, is averaging basically twenty points a night already. Um, so. 
do you do you feel like that might be kind of the the medium here where it is like when Kawhi, PG, and Lou are playing, all right, you're the fourth guy. But when Kawhi or PG is out, which has been almost, you know, feels like every other game this season, uh, you know, you're going to get your looks and, and, you know, just kind of getting him to buy into that. Because you bring up Boston, and I think that's kind of the model here where he was that kind of third, fourth, fifth guy in Boston, depending on the night. And I'm sure there'll be nights where he gets more shots or points than Lou or, or Trez, but pretty consistently when they've played Kawhi and PG are clearly the number two, you know, the top two guys on the team in, in terms of pecking order offensively. So I don't really see him kind of, you know, if, if he's hijacking possessions and, and taking shots from those guys, I think there's going to be some issues obviously, but I think if he is on his best behavior as he was last night um, and, and it seems like all indications are, he's going to continue that for, for at least the time being um, I, I feel like he might just find that, that happy medium of, some nights when Kawhi or PG's out, I'm, I'm getting more looks. But when everyone's healthy, I'm kind of taking a step back. That can happen. You know, it's all it's really going to be on Doc Rivers now to, I guess, to make him feel part of the team in that way. That's more than just a, a guy who's starting. Right. It's like a guy. Uh, reputation means something to the team. And you can approximate um, his offensive load on those games where Paul George or Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. Um, I understand from reading the athletic that uh, there might be some chemistry issues inside the Clippers already. So this is, you know, another guy that they're throwing into the mix where they have to placate him a little bit, right? There's some level where Doc Rivers has to be the great appeaser and make sure everyone's happy. So I don't know, I don't know what the calculus is on that end, but yeah, if if those guys miss enough time and Marcus Morris gets enough games where he you know gets like 15 shots a night and the Clippers play at a pretty hearty pace, right? They're not as slow as the Knicks were, I think, um, and they get shots up. I think that can work out. Um, I, I'm more curious to see how it works in the playoffs, right? When presumably yeah. Kawhi and Paul George and Lou Williams and all those guys will be yeah. there every night, um, and would he be content to? get eight shots a night sometimes right uh would he be content or at least uh you know cognizant enough at the time during crunch time to not force up the same shots he did for the knicks right like those went for him this year uh, i think if marcus morris is taking like a, a lean in three with 20 seconds left and a guy draped all over him because he hasn't been able to create the separation but he hits it out somehow anyway um, that's probably not optimal for the Clippers. That's not the shot they want in May and, and June. Um, so that's that to me is the bigger curiosity and how that all works. Um, I, I think in the regular season, there's enough shots to go around and he knows that there's a contract coming um, in whichever way that has made been made clear to him. I, I think that probably makes him feel easier about this whole thing, too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, obviously, I, I don't know if they have some type of back ended agreement or something like that. But I, I do know um, from talking to, you know, certain sources around the, the team that they are very you know this was not a short-term move for them this is someone that they really like that he he's 30 years old um they, they think that that kind of two three four combination of, of him Kawhi, and pg really fits well together uh and i think if you look at the way they've they've tended to close games with Montrez harrell at the five uh Kawhi and pg at the three and the four uh lou and then some kind of revolving door of Pat Beverly, Landry Shamit, uh, sometimes Mo Harkless, sometimes Jermichael Green. That kind of fifth spot has really rotated all season, and I think adding Marcus almost solidified that. Where you know they're going to go into crunch time most nights with the five of Trez, Marcus, you know Kawhi, PG, and Lou, and. I, you know, I think they, they might have to take Lou out depending on matchups and, you know, he, he can be exploited defensively. But 
I think they're kind of envisioning a very switchable lineup, uh, at least with two through four, uh, you know, a, a, a tough lineup. And, and I think that's where I, I think Marcus really fits in is, you know, you already saw him tweet out, you know, Hollywood and, um, you know, he's excited to play for the Clippers. And then you had Pat Beverly or like, you know, the, the Clippers are getting a dog and Pat Beverly and Montrose Harrell immediately like responded to that. And they kind of shared a moment, you know, he played with both Pats in Houston, um, you know, a, a former clutch guy uh, along with Trez, who, who currently is with clutch. So he has some ties to guys on the team. Uh, I do uh, think that he fits in with that Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell kind of junkyard dog ethos. Like he, he is one of those gritty, tough blue collar guys. Um, so from that perspective, I think he will fit in the locker room, but as someone who has covered in the last few months, what what is he like in the locker room, and and what is what is his temperament like, um, and how from your you know to your best knowledge did his teammates kind of receive him, and and you know I guess through ups and downs, obviously it's been a rocky season in New York to say the least. Um, you know, kind of how how does he handle all of that, and how do you see him hypothetically fitting in? Uh, a Clippers locker room that clearly has their own kind of issues that they're they're still working through. You know, I was curious what it would be like to cover Marcus before the season began. Obviously, his reputation um, precedes him a little bit. Yeah, uh, you can check the Wikipedia yeah. page. Uh, there's a little <laughs> bit of you know reading the police blotter there type of thing going on. Uh, the famous Kansas fight where where it was like him and Markeith against the football team or whatever that became. Um, I I found him great to cover. I, I thought he was. Um, interesting to talk to he was a truth teller for better or worse um you know obviously the his the last maybe the last time or one of the last times he was in that msg locker room was the that crazy sell the team chant night at msg and then he followed it up with his um you know misogynistic comments uh, that he rightly received criticism for him and, and then he apologized um for afterward uh I, I thought otherwise, like he was good to cover. He would make time to talk to you um, from a media level, from a team perspective level. You know, he was a leader on that team. He was at 30 years old. I, I want to say he was the second oldest guy on the team, right? So he had stature. Um, he was the guy who led. They had the players only meeting the day that David Fizdale got fired. He was the guy who uh, initiated that. And so people up to him. They respected him. Uh, I know he was, you know, someone who's always trying to get like Frank Nilakina going. Um, he was a guy that people look to part of that is because he was their best player for the season, right? That gives you credibility. Um, I think so I found him great to cover. I think you mentioned like he's a blue collar type of guy. I think that works two ways really. Um, you know, he, he does have toughness. I think sometimes it goes too far. You know, if the first preseason game of the year, he booped one of the wizards in the head with a basketball, uh, he has yeah. 10 technical fouls already this year. He got a flagrant in the Cleveland game. Sometimes he goes too far with that. Uh, I mean, for you know, for the Knicks, if you pile up technical fouls, it it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like you get to spend <laughs> for a game. There's no postseason to worry about. Like whatever. It's you know, uh, their season is defined by nihilism. For the Clippers, all these things matter, right? You have to make sure that he he watching what he's doing. And I remember he said early in the year, you know, I wouldn't get suspended or let my teammates down. Um, with the technical fouls and all that and missed time if it mattered. So now it matters. So I'm curious to see how he, you know, how he handles all that. And he does all that the rest of the year for the Clippers. If you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. 
If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So two things that stood out to me in his debut performance that I wanted to quickly touch on. Um, one, I thought defensively, I, you know, I'd heard the, the good stuff about him as an on-ball defender, you know, a guy who can defend the three or the four, maybe even some fives, especially in a matchup, maybe against like a Houston where, where they're going so small. Um, I think you could probably afford to go with Marcus at the five and he could hang with like a PJ Tucker or a Daniel house or, or something like that. Um, so I was kind of expecting that one-on-one defense from him, but I thought as a help defender, he he wasn't great by any means, but he was very communicative and was, was, you know, taking charge, you know, being very vocal, leading guys kind of saying like, you go here, you go here. And that was in his first game and, and coming with no, you know, no practice. All they had was a team meeting over breakfast and he's already coming in and, and telling some of the guys um, where to be defensively. So I thought that was uh, both an encouraging sign and a little bit like, okay, well, let's hope like he, he doesn't go overboard with some of this stuff. Uh, but, but the second thing was just as a ball handler, um, you know, and I, I admittedly, I've not watched a lot of the Knicks this season, so I, I can't, you know, maybe this is something he's had all, all year and I just haven't seen it that much, but I thought, you know, him going coast to coast a couple times, um, him running pick and rolls and, and him actually finding guys like, uh, you know, he, he hit Avica Zubats with a lob. He hit him with like a 60-foot bullet pass in transition for, for a layup um, and, and just was generally, I thought, creating plays for others. You know, there was probably a couple assists he left on the table where guys just didn't make shots. But uh, I thought the defensive communication and, and kind of leadership plus the the off-the-dribble juice and the playmaking stood out to me uh, because those weren't necessarily things I knew he had in, in his, you know, toolkit. I, you know, the offensive repertoire kind of surprised me a little bit this year. He's not a great ball handler. I wouldn't say he made a yeah, lot of yeah. tough shots. He's not great at creating separation for himself. So he, I find he all, he like often operates in a very tight window, uh, but he does well with that. Like he'll find guys for passes. Uh, you know, he'll find his own shots somehow. Um, defensively, <laughs> How do I say this? Um, the Knicks defense <laughs> wasn't very good. And so it's hard to judge him as like a team defender within that context, right? Uh, I did notice, you know, the few times I sat close to the court, he was always vocal, like you were saying. Like he's talking out there on the court um, and trying to, you know, tell guys where to go, what he wants to do, calling out screens and stuff like that. So I think that should allow him to fit well, right? Like you need guys who are communicative on defense um, to be able to come in, especially midseason, and just know what they're doing and also be willing to call things out right away. Like, he's never going to be timid um, for both ends of the court. So 
I don't know that the Clippers will need him to be a big distributor, big creator, but I, I think even if he's your fourth or fifth best uh, player, your fourth or fifth offensive option, he's not just going to be a three and D type of guy, right? Like he's able to catch the ball, be to close out or, or drive to the rim and create something better if he needs to. And I think that's important important for uh for a team like the clippers that's you know trying to win the finals and then let's get you out of here uh, on this question you know the, the clippers are at the top of the league right now in that conversation with the lakers with the bucks i'm, I'm in philly right now so i'll throw the sixers in there but like, i I don't, I don't know how big that contender pool is you know you could probably make the case it's three or four teams but maybe up to like eight nine ten teams uh, or somewhere in the middle you know i think the clippers are definitely on that level w- with the bucks and the lakers how do you see this move kind of impacting their title odds? You know, is Marcus Morris enough to solidify them as the favorite or, or at least to maybe take them to the Lakers and Bucks level since both of those teams have technically been better during the regular season? Although, you know, injuries and, and the injury management and, and all that stuff has kind of played into some of the Clippers' losses this season. I think if they're as healthy as, as maybe the Lakers or the Bucks, they probably would be on par with those teams record-wise. Do you see him potentially being that type of game-changing or season-changing piece that could really swing a playoff game, a playoff series, and maybe even the championship race? Or do you think expectations should be kind of tempered where, you know, yes, he's good, yes, he's a nice player, but like you probably don't want to kind of get too excited about hypothetical impact he could have? I, I thought the Clippers were the best team in the league going into the season. I still think that they're... Um, the favorites to win the title. I, I think mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about Marcus Morris is that like you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like in a vacuum, he might be their fifth, sixth best player, right? Because they have Lou Williams, they have Pat Beverly, who I really like for his defense, uh, Montrez Harrell. I, I think what makes him like what makes this trade so good for the Clippers is that it keeps him away from the clip uh, from the Lakers, right? Like, you know, he probably would have been the third best player in L.A., um, I think that's that's fair to say. And it keeps him away from a team like Milwaukee, who I thought could really use him, a guy who can create from the wing, um, play both you know forward spots and help out Giannis that way. So I think that's the real value to the Clippers. Like to me, they're still the title favorites. I, I know they've had their their weird issues this year, but like the town is undeniable. And I think Marcus should help in that regard. Um, I don't know how big that wing, like you said, I've, I've always been thinking about too, like how big that block of title contenders is. Maybe it's three, four, five teams deep. Uh, I, I liked Philly before the year, but they're just a big old mess now. But if, you know, Philly does figure it out and they get to the finals, like you need size and Marcus Morris allows you to go big or small, right? Like that's, that's the versatility that the Clippers now have. Um, you can have those like super small lineups, not super small, but you can have those small lineups. You can have those, uh, big lineups with him now. And, and I think that versatility is important. That's the, the thing we learned. Uh, the last few playoffs uh, is that you need to be versatile. You need to be able to to play whatever style you need to play um, to win a man. And I think that's what the Marcus Morris trade does for them. And to bring things full circle, as you said at, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I don't know if the Cavs count as an NBA team right now <laughs> uh, with the state of things, but the Clippers are playing the Sixers tomorrow or, or today, I guess, if you're listening to this on uh, uh, on Tuesday and they're playing the Celtics on Thursday and then they go into the all-star break. So uh, the the kind of you know, Marcus got one preseason game under his belt, and now he has two, you know, potential finals uh, opponents, uh, you know, ahead of the Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly is going to miss the Sixers game. He'll probably miss the Celtics game, although that's not confirmed yet. So I'm going to just personally be very interested to see. It's one thing to come in 
play the Cavs, uh, you know, get a, a bunch of shots up in, in not that much time and blow them out. It's another to come in, play the Sixers, a really big, talented team, go play the Celtics, you know, his former team, uh, a team with a lot of wings that can attack you off the dribble. Uh, so I, I'm very interested to see how he holds up in, in both of those matchups. You know, does he hijack the offense? Does he continue to take bad shots? Um, you know, does or does he accept his reduced role and, and maybe a little bit more of a playmaker role that, that the Clippers are probably looking for him to have? Um, so it's a big week for the Clippers. It's a big week for Marcus Morris. Uh, and after that, we, we have the All-Star break. So Mike, where can people, well, they can read you on The Athletic if you have not subscribed please go to theathletic.com slash Clip City and subscribe. But where can they find you on, on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, read your work on, on The Athletic and, and promote your podcast. Uh, well, you can um, find me on Twitter, Mike Vorkanov. The Vorkanov, obviously easy to spell. Um, and <laughs> Instagram, I'm trying to get that thing going. It's hard to be like consistent on Instagram. I, I don't know. It is. I don't know if you find this. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Sometimes I just like want to throw up food pics and get it over with. Um, and I'm a... <laughs> Work rights on Instagram. Uh, they ha- they haven't given me a podcast yet. They're like, you know, you're not as good as Yovan. You don't deserve it. And so uh, that's where I'm at. But come read you my stuff. Uh, come read everything at the Athletic. Definitely. Maybe no, the, you, the powers that be will listen. That, you, no, you, you do an amazing job covering the team. Um, it, it's obviously a sometimes difficult situation. Uh, so I, I think you do great stuff and. Uh, you, you you find interesting stuff to write about in a sometimes chaotic environment, to say the least. It's, it's a fun job. Who can complain about covering basketball? Exactly. For Mike, I'm Yovan Buha. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A, and read my Clippers work on The Athletic and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. So thank you guys. I'll be back later in the week to talk about the Sixers and Celtics games.